Winning Ways, The Art and Science of Philatiology. Mindful Practices for Reprogramming Your Mind to Win at the Game of Life in Health, Happiness, Transformation, and Self-Mastery by Myrna Elois Davis Washington. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted in any form or by any means, including photocopying, recording, or other electronic methods without proper citation and prior written permission of the author. Winning ways. Relax. Breathe. Hang out in the gap. Don't take it personal. It's just a game. And the one who loves the most wins. On second thought, it's a game you play with and against yourself. So take it personal and let's play. What is life? That's the age-old question scholars, scientists, theologians, and philosophers have sought to answer for millennia. While many of those seeking to answer this conundrum have described life as being analogous to a journey or a test, I prefer to think of the experience of life as a game. A game like the game of patience, my favorite game since childhood. Why? Because in the South, in the mid 20th century, in a struggling African-American, Native American family, a deck of cards was one of the most affordable and accessible board games around. Also, because being an introverted, introverted, traumatized, and exceptional child, and the seventh of 10 children, I was always a loner and a free thinker who found great comfort in playing the popular card game because it only required one player, me. In the United States, we've always called the game of patience solitaire because it's a game in which you play cooperatively and competitively with and against yourself to manipulate the layout of cards you deal yourself with the aim of organizing them in such a way that you play all the cards in your hand in a winning way. The goal of the game of solitaire, the game of life then, is to patiently and strategically play the cards, which are your focused thoughts, in such a way that you manifest the spread you've intended and overcome any and every obstacle, which are random cards, right? Preventing you from experiencing and achieving that goal, even yourself. Given this description of the game, if someone asks you whether you were winning or losing at your game of life, what would your answer be? Since you're simultaneously playing with and against yourself, if your answer is winning, then you're winning. Conversely, if your answer is losing, then you're either not winning at the game you think you're playing, you've failed to learn from your past experience with the game, preventing you from moving forward, or you're correct and you're not winning. You may not be losing, but you're not winning either. Either way, you're right. Sounds ambiguous? It isn't. 
You see, winning at a game you're playing with and against yourself is all a matter of perspective and perception, and no one else's perspective matters in your game, a game you're playing with and against yourself, except yours. You see, how you see the world, your thoughts about the world you live in, which we called your worldview, and what you see, which is your perspective, and perceive, which is what you feel, from the stimuli, the people, places, and things, situations, and circumstances, and experiences in your world, is all about you, not them. How you perceive the world and the people, places, and things in your world is all about you, not them. It is a strongly supported tenet of science and psychology that since you can only understand what your experiences, knowledge, biases, and attitudes enable you to understand or quote-unquote see, what you see in the world reveals more about you than the object or person at which you are looking. When we look at others, then, we see them as mirrors, projections or reflections of our true selves, our perceptual filters or sieves, as we are, not as they are. So once again, we see others as we are, not as they are. While it is not exhaustive then, Winning Ways is a practical, evidence-based, comprehensive guide for winning at the game of life and transcending or overcoming all those obstacles which seem to be blocking our view of the light, clogging the flow of abundance into our lives, and hindering us from achieving our goals, manifesting our intentions, or realizing our dreams. In that sense, Winning Ways is also a solution-focused, result-oriented, tried and proven system for enlightenment, self-enlightenment, self-empowerment, self-mastery, peaceful coexistence, and ultimately world peace. If you use this book as a self-help workbook, Winning Ways and the Winning Ways Practicing Philatiology Workbook can one, motivate and inspire you, validate you. Two, serve as a personal journey, journal or diary. Three, enhance self-reflection and emotional intelligence. Four, help you organize and reorganize your thoughts. <clears throat> Five, assist in reprogramming your inner dialogue. Six, improve your overall health and wellness. And seven, facilitate and expedite the realization and manifestation of your goals or personal successes at home, at school, in relationships, and in the workplace through the use of what I call mind hacks, tried and proven heuristic, neuro-linguistic shortcuts, or tricks in mental programming and reprogramming which actually change your world by altering your worldview and affirming your ability to manifest your desired reality. I feel extremely fortunate to have been chosen to receive the call to share this motivational, logical, and messianic information with you. 
It has created a protective shield around me and armed me with the resources I need to save myself and emerge victorious as a winner at my own game of life. My references and inspiration come from everyone and everything within my conscious awareness and within my space. My parents, my husband, my siblings, my children, mentors, teachers, students, ministers, guides, instructors, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, co-workers, employers, employees, cousins, colleagues, friends, and ancestors. Every person I've ever met, even in passing, every experience and mistake from which I've learned, every theorist, theory, philosophy, book, article, and discipline I've ever studied, and all the knowledge I've managed to garner as a human being, mother, sister, wife, instructor, dancer, friend, health educator, and health promoter, minister, healer, counselor, and psychologist. The first edition of this book was originally written and published in 1998 during my participation in the Mrs. Colorado America pageant as Mrs. Aurora Colorado, the city in which I live, and prior to my working as an auto sales executive and returning to college to study the new biopsychosocial model of psychology. There was a rose on the color cover of that first edition because that was my perspective of life at the time, that it was beautiful and rosy, but that like all roses, it had its thorns. Those are problems which could hurt you if you let them. Even with the thorns, none of that diminished the value of the beauty of the rose, did it? While working on my doctorate in health and wellness psychology, focusing on mindfulness, stress reduction, self-efficacy, and self-mastery, I revisited the book to see how much I had grown as a result of my studies and life experiences. What I realized was I had been on the right track all along. I realized I had actually earned my doctorate in life long before even beginning the journey to my current real-life doctorate. So I scoured back through that first edition, filtered the content through the knowledge, wisdom, and experiences I had garnered in the 20 years since the original publication, and I am now publishing this new and improved edition to help you win at your own game of life. Although it has involved years of learning, lots of emotional and physical pain, mistakes, and study for me, and is rigorously backed by scientific evidence, religious concepts, and spiritual truths, I have tried to present these insights using easy-to-comprehend, light-hearted language, and visually appealing illustrations that don't require doctorate or master's bachelor's or even high school diploma to comprehend. Why? Because at one point in my journey, I felt so low, so alone, so entombed by things and hurt by life experiences, traumas and past mistakes that I found myself sitting in my car alone, crying out in pain, beating on my steering wheel, wishing for someone, something, anyone, anything to save me and restore my world. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want my son to see me give up either.
I just wanted to live, to thrive and live happily ever after. But that was never going to be because everything I thought, everything I had expected, all my dreams, it seemed, had just been snatched away from me. My husband and I had just separated in Los Angeles after seven years together, and I had driven down to San Diego from Los Angeles with our six-year-old son, David, to stay with my older sister, Janice, who was a teacher at Lincoln High School there. I arrived about an hour before school ended for Jan, so I decided to visit a nearby mall to get some needed toiletries. As I was leaving the parking lot, I noticed that traffic was backed up and street vendors were going from car to car selling their wares. Since it was warm and I didn't have a working air conditioner, I rolled my windows down and listened, for, listened to my favorite smooth jazz station to pass the time. Instead of a vendor, one of the people who approached my window was a Jehovah's Witness who was passing out pamphlets. When he asked if I believed in God and was ready for Armageddon, and I answered yes, that should have been the end of our conversation. However, she pursued it with a question about how I saw God and insisted that if I did not believe in Jehovah and worship the way Jehovah Witnesses worship, I would die and go to hell when Armageddon came, and it was coming soon, she said. She gave me a pamphlet, which I accepted just to placate her. I thanked her, and she moved on to the other cars. Since I'd read so many of those pamphlets, and they all said the same thing, which I met with skepticism because they seemed illogical, I put hers on the passenger seat and continued to inch my way up to the parking lot exit. I looked in the back seat where David had fallen asleep. I would have been singing songs with him, but since he was asleep, I was just listening to that smooth jazz. As I inhaled the sweetness of the music, I'm a synesthete. I thought, what if she's right? After all, my marriage, which was supposed to last forever, you know, till death do us part, had just ended and all of my bubbles, my beliefs, my ex expectations and values had just been burst. I was so utterly disillusioned, so devastated, so heartbroken, so frustrated, so depressed, so embarrassed, so down. My mother, who felt I had made a mistake in dropping out of Howard to get married and had warned me this would happen. Actually, she cursed me and said things and set things in motion had been proven right. Everything I believed in was shattered. It felt as if my whole world had been torn apart. No home, no husband. I had given up my scholarship to get married. I thought, what if the world does end next week? As I thought about it and contemplated my now, I realized that if the world ended next week, I'd be okay with it as long as I understood life and death what this life is all about, to my satisfaction. I sat there, alone in the front seat, listening to my jazz. I was so frustrated. I banged on my steering wheel and sobbed. God, I don't want to die without knowing. You can end the world, but I need to know the truth about this life to be comfortable with dying. Everybody dies, God, so it's something I'm going to have to face. But please, God, I don't want to die without knowing. I'm tired of trying. I thought I knew, 
I trusted them because I thought they knew too. I did everything they asked. They weren't happy and I wasn't happy either. So I thought I'd try it my way. Now, I'm not happy either. I'm not happy and I'm still struggling. My mother keeps telling me I'm not, I'm doing something wrong and I've checked everywhere with everyone to figure out what I've done wrong. I feel abandoned, betrayed, isolated and rejected, God. I must have read every self-help book there is and I've converted to nearly every religion. I've meditated and prayed incessantly for six, eight consecutive hours sometimes. I've read the Bible front to back three times and I've chanted nonstop. Nothing's working, Lord. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? What are you trying to teach me? What do I need to learn, God? Please tell me, please. Then I bowed my head, shrugged my shoulders, threw my hands up in the air, took a heavy sigh, <sighs> surrendered, and I sobbed some more. I've tried everything, God, but I will change. I want to know. I want to be happy. What would you have me do? I will change every thought in my head if that is what I need to do. I didn't know it, but that was the moment in which everything in my world began to change. I recognize it now because change every thought in my head is exactly what I've had to do. At that moment, the universe, God, set things in motion and a 30-year chain of miraculous events began to happen. That's how I got the winning spread in my own game of life. Winning ways is the answer I received to the earnest plea I made when I asked those questions and surrendered my attachment to the outcome. These changes in my programming and thinking have helped me win by removing generational curses passed down from my grandmother to my mother and healing myself from childhood, sexual molestation, systemic racism, discrimination, colorism, bullying, bigotry, social isolation, mononucleosis, rosacea, discoid lupus, trigeminal neuropathy, cancer, autoimmune disease, monoclonal gammopathy, depression, anxiety, chronic pain, asthma, opioid dependency, peripheral neuropathy, relational breakups, heartbreak, and heartache, and countless viral infections. That's why I believe even if you're under a doctor's care or are providing care for someone who is dependent, ill, or incapacitated, these truths can and will facilitate your healing too. Whether your goal is to become a winner, uh, is to awaken the God or goddess within you, be a media superstar, an entrepreneur, a leader, a super achiever, a model, a peak performer, a doer, or simply to be healthier and happier. I know you will benefit from the same valuable lessons that saved me and helped me live happily ever after. The same lessons life has taught me through my experiences, diseases, and mistakes, and in its innumerable schools of thought that all healing and disease begin 
and end in the mind. That change is the only constant. And that change everyone's been singing is gonna come, is coming now, and must necessarily begin, occur, and end within, in our minds, with our thoughts, and with our breathing. The truth, most people are about as happy, as healthy, as prosperous, and as successful as they make up their minds to be. You see, the greatest battle any of us will fight is a never-ending battle with ourselves to release and let go of all the things holding us back from winning, including and especially our egos. And the adventure begins. Happily Ever After, A Winner's Story. According to child psychologists, most people know what they want to do or who they want to be in life by the time they are five years old. When I was five years old, I told everyone who would listen that I wanted to be a star. Of course, at the time, I meant a real star, like the ones twinkling in the night sky, not an entertainer or a singer or a dancer or a movie star. I had what others referred to as natural talent. Everything, including reading, writing, dancing, entertaining, singing, and playing the piano came natural to me. I could look at another performer, say I can do that, analyze his or her movements, and do it. I was also autodidactic, that means self-taught, in a number of disciplines, in academics, piano, ballet, reading, writing, tap, theater, singing, math, yoga, belly dancing. And I loved the way it made, it made others smile when I performed well. I was also the teacher's pet, and it made me feel especially good when I pleased my mother and father. It was the same warm feeling I experienced when I saw how happy others were with the handmade gifts I gave them or the chores or services I did for them. I wanted to be a star, to shine like my namesakes, my beautiful godmother, Myrna Eloise Robinson, the wife of the doctor who had delivered me, who also asked to be my godfather, and Myrna Loy, a well-known actress of the day, and all the other performers I observed on television, at church, at the movies, at home, and in the theater. Everyone thought my yearning to be a star was cute when I was a child, and mother made sure I developed my natural skills and talents by making sure I and the rest of my sisters took dance and piano lessons, sang in the church choir, and participated in community organizations such as the Girl Scouts, our youth church groups, the Girls Club, the YWCA, and the NAACP. When I was chosen to be one of the 25 African-American seventh grade students to desegregate Little Rock, Arkansas's public junior high schools, it gave me strength and endurance in dealing with the racism, bullying, colorism, disloyalty, betrayal, and social isolation to study hard and focus so that I could grow up and create a religion nobody ever heard of quote unquote, that's what my mother told me, I said, when I was three or four, 
that would change the world so others would have to, wouldn't have to go through the fire like I did to leave the world a better place because I was in it. When I was a young adult and left school and everything familiar uh, to me, I experienced what I thought was a real world. However, they, the people in my world, labeled that same dream of becoming a star as foolish. They said I had hitched my wagon to a star that was too far away, that I was crazy, that I was unrealistic because I was too skinny, my legs were bony, I was too short or my skin was too dark, that they, the white people in my world, wouldn't let me do it, that my dream was unrealistic for black girls like me, that I thought I was better than everyone else, that I should confine my dreams to achievable, safer goals, such as teaching, becoming a doctor or lawyer, that my goals were too lofty. Their words stung, and for years I listened to them and internalized and agonized over their disparaging critiques by letting their words dominate my thoughts. I let their opinions of me and my dreams drag me down, depress me, hold me back, and eat away at my self-confidence and my health. It wasn't until I learned to listen to my own heart and inner voice and considered the fact that their fears and negative appraisals were about them and not me, that we see people as we are, not as they are, that I overcame them by using their opinions of me and their skepticisms of my abilities to inform me about them, fuel my ambitions and my desires to help others, identify and isolate my own inner voice and drive me toward my own goal. In the 10 years after I dropped out of Howard University during my junior year as a pre-med student, I moved to Southern California and studied and abandoned everything, including well-paying corporate jobs, to chase my dream. I persisted even when everyone else called me crazy or when I made what others thought were mistakes or wrong choices, only to discover it was not at all what I wanted and that being a star was not as far away as they or I had thought, after all. When it was all over, I felt so secure in what I had learned and realized that I walked away from contracts at major studios, the once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for which most people would abandon their morals and compromise their values, to return to my hometown, to my parents, to my roots, to repair, regroup, restructure, and redirect my life. You see, through the lessons learned and the mind hacks, the mindful practices on the cards we'll be dealing ourselves in our own solitary games of life, I realized I was already a star. I realized I didn't need to be in Hollywood to shine like a star. In fact, it wasn't something I needed to become or someplace I needed to be. I was already being a star. I realized the approval and acceptance for which I had been searching for so long was my own approval and acceptance of me. I realized I had become what I was seeking, 
Abandoning everything to chase my dreams taught me the spotlight I was seeking to shine on me was within me all the time. The love I was seeking, the glow I wanted to radiate from me was shining within me all the time as Philatia, self-love. That's the goddess mindset. So with that revelation, I finally I felt completely at peace with myself and confident enough with what I'd found to walk away from opportunities for which most people, as I said, have searched their whole lives to do exactly as my heart desired. I teamed up with my highest self, took our dynamic duo, and followed my heart. Through the years, life has been kind to me in saving me from my ego and fears and the limiting thoughts, values, habits, and beliefs of others. I am in constant amazement at the loving kindness of this wondrous universe and the people in it. Life has whispered sweet secrets to me and the universe, which I think should be renamed Y-O-U Universe. It has guided me to a point of unconditional and divine universal love and happiness within and for myself, my happily ever after. As I've learned from my studies in psychology, this is Philatia, I am, or self-love, and which I consider to be the highest form of love there is. I have surrendered to the I am within me, God, the universal life force, the universe, He, She, Prana, the first cause, the source, the great spirit, the creative force, Allah, Mioho, or whatever you or we call our highest selves, that still small voice which speaks so kindly, so patiently, and so lovingly to us, even reading to us from this space between our thoughts and breaths when we sit quietly with our thoughts. Although the universe is at my beck and call, I realized that I am nothing, yet I am everything. I am the universe. Since I have surrendered, the universe may use me as it pleases, and I have chosen to breathe it deeply, to relax and trust it, to honor the space within which it resides, and to allow its healing light and love to flow freely through me, and to help you and others find your own inner light to win at your own solitary game of life. These secrets, the mind hacks, which have enabled me to overcome and heal myself, I share with you now. They have healed me and helped me through the most trying times, seemingly unsurmountable obstacles, and allowed me to emerge grateful, victorious and happy in light and love. They have allowed me to change, arrange, and rearrange my thoughts in such a way that I have that winning spread in my own game of life. If you want to live happily ever after and be a winner in your own game of life, practice these simple mind hacks and you will find that winning presence permeating and engulfing your entire being, spilling over into your immediate environment and radiating into your world and universe too. 
That's the beginning of your winning spread for your own happily ever after. Read through these affirmations and affirmative secrets and universal truths slowly. Ponder each one. Whisper it to yourself. Speak it aloud enthusiastically. Apply it to your own life and meditate on it until you realize the truth it contains. If necessary, dwell on the truth for one, two, or three days. If that is what it takes for you to realize its true meaning in life, repeating them aloud or chanting, whispering and intoning mentally as often as possible. That is what I had to do to understand and internalize these truths. These secrets are to your superconscious mind, your individualized center of consciousness of the one omnipresent mind, which also expresses through all. As computer programming is to a computer, speaking them aloud, reflecting on them, writing them down and pondering them as often as possible affirms their powers to work in manifesting the life you've envisioned right here, right now, right where you are. Think of your mind as a supercomputer. You program with your affirmations, repetitions, and decrees. Once you have input the neuro-linguistic programming or reprogramming data this book contains, take as long as you need to act on them by applying each one to your life and watching them work. They are your winning spread in your game of life. Begin to institute them into your life and daily activities by reflecting on them as you breathe deeply implementing them in your everyday activities and using their underlying principles to inform your decisions and responses at every opportunity as often as possible. They are the winning spread and the proper language or mental programming and reprogramming to use to obtain the desired responses from the universal life force you win, you need to win. At times, you may feel you already know these truths, and you're right. You do. There is but one mind, the superconscious. So, you've known them all alone. In fact, you were born knowing them. Winning ways is simply a reminder of that inherent wisdom and knowledge which has been and is always within you, an heir to the throne. In that sense, you might say, winning ways is just a refresher course. These are the universal secrets the universe has whispered to me and has undoubtedly whispered to countless others down through the ages, including you. So I know, since there is only one consciousness, one mind, one God, one universe, that's what it means that you and others have heard them too. Their effectiveness resides in the fact these are the secret truths, science, philosophy, psychology, common sense, metaphysics, and religion have identified as the how-to, the universal laws, the beatitudes, the way of the Tao of living for thousands of years. At times, these truths may also appear to be random in order 
You may even have realized these truths at different times and in different sequences in your life. However, this is the order in which I received and realized them and recall them to share with you. As I heard them whispered to me, I recognized them as familiar truths. It was as if a light went on in my mind. I listened attentively and contemplated them by repeating them over and over, mentally and subvocally, practicing them and conducting my own research in my life, in my studies, and on myself. I watched in awe as I affirmed them, and as my reward, the universe has rewarded me with joy, abundance, happiness, peace, and the manifestation and realization of my dreams, not once, not twice, but repeatedly, whenever I need it. I've fallen many times, but these truths give me an impenetrable resilience that enables me to bounce back with renewed vigor, like the phoenix, over and over and over again. That makes this an ongoing, never-ending book, because I am always learning. It's never finished, and there is no end to the knowledge. In fact, I'm using the truths in this book right now to motivate me to heal my own life completely and to complete this current edition for you. As you proceed through this book, try to remain open-minded and open to infinitely abundant possibilities. Don't dismiss these truths because they were delivered by an unexpected messenger, me, no matter what religious group or spiritual belief system you belong to or believe in, no matter what educational level you've achieved, whether you believe in God or not, or if you open your mind and put your ego aside, you will recognize these as the very same truths you already know. You see, that's what the presence and abundant loving kindness are, and they're your birthright whether you believe it or not. Do not offer mental job, mental blocks by prejudging this process, its simplicity, or its sequence either. It's not rocket science, but it's not quantum physics either. Rather, move forward at your own pace and in no particular order with an open and receptive mind and heart as a child, inquisitive and expectant of a miracle, think it could work. Why not? I'm open to it. Open your mind to receive the possibilities of this message in your heart and become a winner at your own game of life. Besides, what have you got to lose except your fear of change, your fear of winning, your fear of failure, and or the chance to live your dreams happily ever after? At the very least, what will you gain? What you will gain then is clarity and validity of what you already believe and what is already in your heart. You are that which you are seeking. That which you are seeking, you are. That's the first read of Winning Ways. I'll be back with the first chapter on another video. And thanks for joining today. This is my first reading and we'll be moving on 
with Winning Ways, The Art and Science of Philatiology.